Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Well, I am in the beautiful home of Nikki Jones, <laughs> and I've met Morin. <laughs> so you get you get podcasting points just because you've got, you've got a dog, you've got a beautiful house, <laughs> and you're a very creative person. Well, kind of, yes. <laughs> so you say, kind of. But I've, I've seen your beautiful work, um, and you are a designer. And my first question is, was it always your dream to design? to be creative um well I guess I mean I think it was always there really I mean at school it was what I excelled at really mm. was art and music really so for me it was like choosing between art okay. and music um and I remember like spending you know hours and hours just drawing in my bedroom and um yeah my school teacher saying you know if I would spend as much time on what was inside my daughter instead of decorating the outside all the time so I think it was always there Um, I mean when it came to going to college I think that you know the choice between art and music was quite it was quite a difficult one actually but I think I had more of a sort of natural aptitude at, at art but then I mean even then I mean I was only 17 and I'd applied to like all the art schools and Gala Shields, which is yes. the Scottish College of Textiles. Mm. So, I mean, that was quite a big decision to make at that point, because if I'd gone to art school, it would have been a much broader yeah. syllabus. Um, so to make that choice to do textiles mm. at that stage was, you know, it was quite a narrowing, yeah. really. What, and what swayed it for you? What, why did um, you gravitate towards that? I don't know, really. <laughs> I just, um, it just felt right. Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, sometimes Split you just have gut. to, yeah, go with your gut. Mm. Um, I really liked the course, I, I liked the facilities, I liked the tutors that I met. Um, and I think even, like, if you'd looked at my sort of portfolio at the time, there was definitely a sort of leaning towards colour and pattern mm. and and the things that are sort of inherent in textile design. So I think it was kind of fated in a mm. way, really. I mean, Galashiels was, was great, but, yeah. um, you know, I think if I'd only done my degree... I may not have ended up still being in the industry, really. Wow. It's quite difficult, you know, to sort of yeah. catapult yourself into mm-hmm. an industry after only, you know, studying for a few yeah, years, yeah. really. Like, I've heard that a lot, actually. A lot of people saying, like, you feel like you're just thrown out into the world and it's like, and go. And you're like, but there's all these other skills, all these things that you haven't learned about being in the world of work and being in the world of business. Yes. How, do you, how do you start something? Yeah, it's no. re- I think it's really difficult. Uh-huh. I mean, actually, I, I suppose that's a long time ago and courses have changed. And mm. I mean, I'm only talking really from my own personal course, experience. Yeah, yeah. And Gala Shields was kind of unique in a sense because it did give you some of the other, you know, skills. Like okay. we did things like HR and accountancy right. and, um, you know, it had really quite strong ties with industry. Um, they even had, you know, some quite industrial equipment there that you sort of learned to use. Mm. Um, you know, big like, I mean, I specialised in knit, but right. they had big knitting machines and things like that, which wow. was great. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. so kind you had the opportunity uh-huh. to, to have a go and see where your interests yeah. lie, I guess, and where your strengths are. Yeah, yeah, but I think also it's partly to do with your maturity. I mean, if I'd, 
if I went back and did that now, I think I would have got a completely different <clears throat> experience out of, of it. Of course, you're just a young person, do you mean straight But I was just trying to work out who I was, really, to <laughs> yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I was 17, I'd just moved away from home. I was living with a whole bunch of friends, mm. and I think we were talking earlier, I went to girls' school, so, yes. you know, I was trying to work out what boys were. <laughs> yet to figure that one out. Um, yeah, most of the uh, guys that do textiles are gay as well, which didn't really help yeah. massively yeah. in the sort of romantic <laughs> space. side of things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a... It's a funny thing, like, to think about your education. I mean, I don't know, it's hindsight, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I'd love to go back and have that sort of time again, you know, right. just the sort of purity of doing something without any sort of commercial constraints. Just or doing it for the love of it, just doing it yeah. because you can. Yeah, I mean, mm. I, I do think sometimes about doing something, maybe when I'm older, like, going back and... I had a fantastic um, art history teacher at Gala Shields. She was quite a character... And she was really interesting because um, instead of her just sort of giving courses or lectures, um, she gave us all the sort of subjects. So everybody had, you know, an artist to go away and research. And then we gave the classes. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it was a really sort of interesting way of doing it because you really learned sort of in-depthly about somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved, I mean, I think that's where my sort of love of the context of things really Mm. came from. So a lot of my work is really rooted in like historical things or I love the way that you start to see how things connect you know when something happens sort of socially and then it sort of channels back to something that happens similarly socially yes. historically mm. and we start to sort of behave in a similar uh-huh. way and I, I love all of that you know how like little strands that connected. through time yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and also I like the fact that you often see similarities in different cultures. Um, yeah. You know, you see a lot of um, traditions and patterns mm. and things that come through from opposite sides of the world of and course. stuff. Um, so were you at that point thinking that you were going to do some travelling to the... Or um, were the opening worlds up to you that you, you hadn't I don't know if I was about? like... I don't know if I was really um, aware of... I remember there was this really interesting guy that came to college with Indian textiles. Right. And I've still got a, a thing that I bought from him that yeah. I had hanging up in my bedroom for <laughs> years and years. So it's quite funny, sort of, all these years later, you know, that I'm, you know, that I produce all of my work in India. I, I've got a real sort of strong relationship mm-hmm. with it as a country. It's been sort of an and important that part that of my life. And that kind of yeah. first interaction with someone. So some, I suppose, you know, at the time when you're younger, you're maybe not aware of how you sort of absorb these things mm. but they obviously do just by osmosis uh-huh, they do go in I think yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah and you enjoyed that course you had a great time yeah I mean it was lovely it was the first time um, I was really around sort of like minded people really mm. I mean I went to a really small school and I was the only um, person that took art and music in my year that's nuts <laughs> so I think I had like a real sort of lack of mm. other creatives to sort of yeah. you know bounce, bounce off, off. yeah so I mean I loved that initially it was like fabulous so, like, oh, these no, people I'm not like totally me. weird <laughs> there are actually other people that other people like you me. know think like me <laughs> um, so yeah that was great and mm. um, I mean I you know I wasn't brilliant at college I I, I think my second year was appalling <laughs> you know I had a bit of a talking to from the tutors <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I think that's important for you to say that because yeah. to look at where you are now and the success you've had, 
I think it's important for people like you to say that. Like it was oh, all yes. plain sailing. I know. I mean, and I did muck up or you know. But being an A student doesn't really matter, truthfully. Mm-hmm. And even now, you know, I got a two one mm-hmm. I think for my degree. But I can't remember anybody ever, ever asking me what I got. No. Never. So true. And at so the time, true. it's like, oh, what did you get? What did you exactly. get? And actually, uh, it really doesn't. It's kind of, you know, you've got a degree, great. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really more about you as an individual, yeah. what you can offer and how you grow, really. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that, like you say, you know, it would be nice to go back. It would be nice to further your education. But actually, you're just learning all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, still to this day, oh, yeah. things like, on a daily basis without you even realising it. Yeah, you have to, exactly. Mm. You, you've got nobody else. You can't um, You can't say, oh, well, like, IT department, can you? Yeah, it's just Or you. accounts department, can you? <laughs> You're hip to put all the hats. Yeah, so you have to, yeah, Forget use your mm-hmm. use your head. Use your loaf. Yeah. I mean, I do sometimes miss, um, you know, you see skillful people and you learn mm. a lot through you know working with people with skill like yeah. that yeah so i do miss that a bit but i have had it in my life mm. it's not you know it's not that i haven't no, experienced no. that yeah you know? things just evolve and change all the time i guess yeah yeah so coming out of that course what was the plan was there a plan um well actually um there was a, a girl that had gone to the rca the royal college mm-hmm. of art who came and did a talk at galley shields and um I, I remember thinking, I don't feel ready. Like, I, fe- I feel still young. I feel like I've only just sort of got initial ideas of mm. who I am creatively. And this was like my fourth year. Yeah. And there was things definitely in my work that um, are, are still resonate with me now. I mean, a lot of my work was interiors based. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was product based, like rather than just sort of designing textiles. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. what was this textile for? You know, mm. like um, that was really important to me, I think. And it still is. Um, I find it quite hard to design for somebody else to do yeah. something with mm-hmm. it. I like the idea of doing like a postgrad, mm-hmm. but I, as I said, I wasn't an A plus student at all. And, you know, everybody that was applying to the RCA was the sort of creme de la creme so I thought oh no you know I'll never get in sort of thing but then this girl came and did the talk and I remember we had a drink in the union afterwards and I was talking to her and she said you know Nikki I was I was just you know sort of average student Mm. and she said you've got nothing to lose because you know worst case scenario you don't get an interview you don't get in but you've got this portfolio you've had to get together you know, what you need to do anyway. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it'll give you a good goal for that. And um, if it works, if you get an interview, it's a great experience. Yeah. If you get in, it's great. Mm. But, you know, if you don't, you've learned a lot along the way. Yeah, it really it's helped really me. Advice, yeah, yeah, I know, it was great. Just actually. somebody to give you that kind of like permission almost uh-huh. to go, oh, wait a minute, I could. I Whereas I think like my tutors, although I think they were great, but I, th- <laughs> I think that I took the Mickey a bit. <laughs> So, you know, I hadn't really had any direction like that uh-huh. from them, really. I yeah, think yeah. they thought, oh, yeah, Nikki's like fly by the seat of her pants a bit, really. So I think they were... Nothing as, wrong with that. I think I'm they a were fly as, by the seat of your pants kind of gal. They were as shocked as me <laughs> when I got in. Yes. I think they were like, what the hell? <laughs> but I remember because um, it was an ex-pupil from Gala Shields mm-hmm. that was in... Uh, they are my interview at the RCA. Right, okay. So he had been, he was older than me. He'd been at Galley Shields when I was in first year and then he'd worked for a bit and then he'd right. gone to do his MA mm. at the RCA. And they always had a second year student in the interview. And it just so happened that he was in my interview. Mm. 
actually you would have thought it would be nice but actually it made it worse because oh, right? okay. well, I just thought crikey this guy knows me I, like I can't pretend to <laughs> so be anything I big myself other, other than what I am that's so true that's like performing <laughs> to people that I know I don't like oh it. I'm like oh, to strangers that's good. yeah it just knocks me a bit I was yeah. like oh my god uh, what are you doing I, I here <laughs> but it was afterwards he said to me it was your interview that got you in like you interviewed very well so that was quite um, mm. yeah it was quite interesting but I think for me, like, I really needed that extra two years. I felt like I'd only just sort of got to grips with what, you know, how, you know, a methodology or mm. an approach to design. And I needed more time to mm. sort of explore to, to that, really. who you were. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think if I hadn't gone to the RCA, I'm not really sure I would have ended up doing wow. design. I think... Um, I think I would have found it really difficult um, to have sort of made inroads into. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the jobs that were available in that area, you know, they were quite, I don't want to be rude or anything, but, well, just quite technician-y, quite Mm -hmm. technical. Um, You know, there's a lot of people that work, you know, for like mills in Scotland and stuff. And I don't know how much creativity is really involved in it, you know. It's It's quite a difficult industry, I think. Um, and also very limited manufacturing now. I mean, even from when yeah. I was at Gala Shields, yeah. uh, so so many of them have closed, you know. Um, it really is a shame. Oh, it's it really tragic. Is. I think just the creative industries... We just don't make all, anything. You know. We hardly make anything yeah, at absolutely. all. Absolutely. You know? So then going on to study further and feeling that you're coming into your own was the goal right I'm going to go and do my thing or was it like I know I'm going into the world of work I'm just going to no I think to be honest with Mm. you really until I had my son I kind of just fell from one thing to another I don't think I ever consciously was like oh I'm going to do you know this (laughs) and then I'm going to do that and then I'm going to it was just like you know opportunities came along and Mm. I was quite up for it yeah so it wasn't like um, I had some major you know, plan or anything. I think it's nice that people sometimes just don't have a plan. Yeah. Like, and I open just to. I think just being happens. open to things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and having a bit of, you know, an adventurous streak or. Hmm. It's not for everybody. No. But, um, but as a creative, I think you're more inclined to have that more kind of open mindedness. Yeah. Like, I'll just. I'll see where things take me and whatever's presented to me. Hopefully, it's going to be the right thing. Exactly. At the right time. Yeah. When just you putting yourself in the right place I, at the I, right time, you know? Hmm. I mean, there's lots of times I was in the wrong place, but, <laughs> you know, eventually something <laughs> works out. Um, <laughs> so, what happened was, um, so I did my MA uh-huh. um, and I really enjoyed that. It was great being in London. You know, it really sort of opened my mind mm. a lot. Um, I mean, just so much on your doorstep yeah. there. And also, you know, having done my degree in Gala Shields, you know, it was like a wee tiny town. Yeah. And we did make the most of it. Mm. And actually at that age, it was quite nice that it wasn't the big smoky yes, city, you know. Done. But I mean, I was nervous going to London. I do remember Aye. being a bit sort of, you know, overawed by the whole Smoke. thing. Mm. But my older sister was living in London. So mm. that kind of made it a wee oh, bit that's easier. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it took, you know, a while to get adjusted to it all and it was a big change. Yeah, and postgraduate as well was mm. completely different because it was much more like, we're not here to tell you what to do. You're here to... off approach. Yeah, you're here to develop yourself. Mm. You're here to develop your own ideas. Yeah. Um, so there was like, 
you know, a, a bit of structure, but a lot more sort of pushed mm-hmm. onto you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think in a way worked for me. I think that's what I actually needed. And it helped me sort of mature, really, mm-hmm. um, which I think was what I was lacking. Right. And it got me, you know, into London. It got me into a college that had a great sort of platform for... Yeah, I just think those connections, yeah. getting your name out, getting yeah. your work out there, I just... Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, I still stay in touch with the whole... I mean, I I both, do, yeah. actually, I stay in touch with that crowd from Gallus Jules. Lovely. We had a reunion. Twenty year reunion quite recently, uh-huh. so it was really nice well, that's to see cool. everybody. That's lovely. Yeah, and loads of people are doing really well. I know it was funny going back there. It felt like no time. <laughs> Twenty <laughs> years. I was that's like, nice. oh my god. Did it make you look back and go, wow? Ah, uh-huh, yes, yeah, actually, actually, that is true. Sometimes it must be like you. You're just continually moving on to the uh-huh. next thing. That's right. But yeah. you don't really stop. You don't put it in context of uh-huh. what you've done and what yeah. you've achieved in that time. Yeah, I think when you do stuff like that, it does make you sort of reflect a bit. Yeah. And think, wow. Okay. So do not write me. I have done some stuff. <laughs> I, I haven't just, just been wasting my time. Just a bit. <laughs> so you were saying it was having your son that kind of made you decide to do your your, your own thing. Well, I think what was um, it about that. I think I'd always. Uh, it, I mean, actually, none of my friends, none of them have been surprised that I've done my own thing. I right. think they all could see that that was going to mm-hmm. happen, but I wasn't sort of conscious of it. I mm. mean, I, I guess I come from a family that are all quite entrepreneurial. Um, my dad worked for himself. My sister's got her own business. My cool. brother's got her own business. Mm. Um, my older sister, she, she's a lighting architect. Oh, so wow. She's the only one that works for someone else. I so it was just in your... DNA really yeah, to, maybe. to do your thing but maybe we're all just like control freaks or something I don't know nothing wrong with that <laughs> I don't know but yeah I guess working for other people that's giving you the skill set to then yeah. form your own thing and know what that is know what that's going to look like yeah exactly I mean what um, I had uh, you know I graduated from the RCA and I did a favour for a friend it was um, people that I'm still friends with um, there was one girl Rachel had done like a garments for she was on the fashion course mm-hmm. and another friend Catherine wanted one of her garments but Rachel was off to New York so mm-hmm. she was like oh do me a favour and meet Catherine for a drink and give her this um, and anyway like me and Catherine are really good friends now and um, she said well what can I do for you and she gave my CV to Tom Dixon at Habitat and that's how I got my job at Habitat. Oh, so it was all just a, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So, well, she, I mean, she gave it to him. He said, oh, get her in and we'll, you know, have a chat. Um, so I went in. They weren't really looking for anybody particularly, but um, he said, you know, why don't you, you know, work with us for a few months and see how Goodness. how things go. Um, so I did. But anyway, the textile designer that was there left right. and they gave me the opportunity so amazing um, but it was an amazing place to work I mean yeah. we had a great creative team there was some fantastic people there I mean I worked under Tom Dixon it was Georgina Godley that was there and Matthew Hilton on furniture nice. um, and then other people that have gone on to you know that were sort of younger like myself that then have had really stellar careers like Beth Ann Gray um, there's like Ross Menwes, who's an American guy, uh, Jonas Damon. I mean, like really, really yeah. talented people. Um, and we're all including s- you. <laughs> um, and we all stay still stay in touch. So like they're really my that's awesome. My best friends really. Mm. Um, we all travel a bit and mm. all overlap and you know do trade fairs and all catch yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And it's really nice. That's great. Yeah. yeah, just to be 
bouncing off other people and just meeting other people because like we're yeah. saying earlier on when you're doing your thing yeah it's nice to when you work on your own it's quite yeah. yeah so it's really nice those relationships mm. yeah but I mean for me like that really was my education yeah was Habitat because mm. How long um, were you there then? Six years. Right. So I was textile designer and then style coordinator. So I worked like across all the disciplines. I did all the orientations wow. and colour palettes and travelled loads. Yeah. Um, I mean, the travelling was amazing. And I didn't really, I didn't really know that I would enjoy that. You know, mm. I remember the first time I went to India, I mean, I was just like freaking out, really. I didn't know <laughs> what to expect, what to uh-huh. take, yeah, anything. Yeah. And I think I was maybe about 21, 22 you know, India was quite different back mm. then than, than it yeah. is currently. I mean, yeah. it was still quite a closed market. And I just remember that, I mean, it's just a complete and utter assault on your senses, you know. Yeah. Um, I didn't sample a single thing. I'd go on this buying trip. <laughs> uh, and I think I was just like, oh, I can't make a decision about anything. And I was so terrified that I was going to come back with a whole bunch of stuff that looked souvenir-y or something. You know, that I just didn't sample anything. I was like, ah. I just had all these like wee swatches, like wee ideas, but not any, no product at all. Tom was like, "Um, are you going to design a collection this season? (laughs) But I think, you know, um, the more you do that kind of thing, the better you get. You really sort of hone your skill. But I guess like being open to the travel and not having any expectations of what it was going to be like, just being like, yeah. Um, yeah, I think course. I did have a bit of an adventurous mm. streak, you know. Um, it's one of my favourite parts. And seeing new places. Yeah, and, and meeting like yeah. really interesting, skilled people. and Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's a skill to learn how to sort of edit product and you know, sort of hone in on, mm. the, on the things that are right. And it's also like being able to sort of visualise things in your head because, you know, when you're working for a band like that, you're thinking right across like all the disciplines. So f- furniture, lighting, ceramics, glass, you know, all the different right. materials. So you're trying to think all the time about the context of things, like how things work together, mm. how you sort of layer products together. And, mm. um, you know, one colour might be right on a glass but it's not really right for a cotton fabric or I think I had like a sort of natural aptitude in that I think I was quite good at that and then I think I'm still quite good at sort of visualizing how things are going to work in my mind you know I mean just looking at your beautiful home alone I'm like yeah you can you can piece things together you know how (laughs) things work together but I I like that you know I really enjoy that part of it curation of yeah yeah piecing together and just getting it absolutely right yeah and how you sort of connect products and Mm. you know sometimes it's really subtle things that make things resonate you know maybe um they might be completely different things but they've got their roots in something similar and that's somehow what makes them work together you know it can be quite subtle sort of subliminal things but um yeah i love that i I really find that interesting Mm -hmm. i think if you know if i wasn't doing this i'd quite like to be in styling or I, I love doing photo shoots and stuff right, like that okay. as well. And is that something that you're having to do? Yeah, I do that for the business. Yeah. Um, but because we sell online, I think it's really mm-hmm. crucial. Um, a product shot doesn't really... I mean, it's sort of informative, yeah. but it doesn't really give the customer any idea of, of like, how to, how to use it. it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives them the vision if yeah. they're not quite got it themselves like I like this but how would I yeah. use it within my space I think it gives it all more context yeah. and also it helps you it's the control freak in me again it, it helps me say this is how to do it don't Just do it like this, this. Okay. <laughs> I know 
but yeah, you know, there's that thing of, you know, how... Because even though I was saying, like, you know, I like to design product rather yeah. than just fabric. Mm. But then also I like to put those products together. Yeah, fine. You, listen, I've seen your work. You know how you do That's why I was asking you whether your son had any say in the, the curation of this beautiful house. And you're like, yeah, he's got say in his own bedroom. And I'm like, well, if I could style the way you do, I'm like, nobody, nobody would be allowed. I've trained him, I've trained him. <laughs> He's well trained. I know he came to India with me last October for the first time. Um, So that was an interesting experience. Well, it was quite emotional actually because um, I didn't realise how much it meant to me, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, because it's, you know, such a big part of my life. Of course. So to take him and then for him to struggle with it, and especially initially, Mm -hmm. I was really upset because I was like, I want him to love this. Um, and he didn't. <laughs> what was it, just sensory overload? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I'm a bit um, immune to it now, like, because mm. I've done it for so long. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, the first day, we had a really early start, and we were getting the train from Delhi to Rudrapur, where all my hand quilting is done. You know, we were in Delhi train station. It's absolutely mobbed. It's a long train journey. Then he spent the whole day with me at a supplier, I'm mean, very sweet, you know, writing down notes and mm. asking really intelligent questions. And we had lunch with, you know, my supplier and everything. And then we had to get the train back to Delhi and we got in about midnight and it was insane. You know, oh. it was just insane. So, it is completely mm. mad at the train station. And he just stopped talking to me. <laughs> he just completely shut down. Right. Um, because it was just too much for him too to get much. his head around. And he hadn't ever seen... You know, yeah, that, that world no, that you are no. very much rooted in now. And I think, you know, the poverty, which is still there. I mean, it's changed a lot since mm. I've been travelling there. I mean, I remember, you know, early, early days, p- people begging at the traffic lights that had leprosy. Uh, it, it may still be there in little pockets, but I've not seen that for a very long time. Yeah. There's a lot more sort of sophistication. There's a lot more help. Mm. Um, I mean, not to say that it's... No. sorted no. by any means um but yeah i mean it was pretty shocking you yeah, know back yeah, I can imagine. back then but just a massive culture shock for him i think it just like that before. he couldn't comprehend it really yeah. you know but then in the end we went to jaipur and jodhpur and we were sort of more holiday right. and actually it's interesting because when you're working you do get um sort of picked up and dropped off and mm. you know like you don't really get sort of public transport no, and stuff like that no. um, and the traffic's insane absolutely Can insane so then you don't feel like you're always looking out the window at stuff and I think it gives you this sort of idea that you should be frightened or something you know uh-huh. and, and he was much more relaxed once we were on our own and we were you know oh, well, just jumping yeah. in a tuk tuk and <laughs> walking through the streets and stuff and he's I think he started to relax and on, on his just realised that you didn't have table. to be frightened. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're in it. Yeah. And it's fine. You're okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah and totally. everybody was just really lovely, and mm. you know, um, and nice. now when we look back on it together, yeah. I think he's got quite fond memories That's of it. Nice. Or I hear him sort of talk about things to other people, and I think, oh gosh, he did That's actually. Lovely, yeah, I mean, absorb. what an amazing opportunity for a young person. To go to India, yeah, but I mean, yeah, but it is. It's, it can be overwhelming a new place and yeah. new people, and yeah. but I think also he lives very much in his own little bubble. You know, right. he's got, you know, he goes to a nice school in mm. the west end of Glasgow, and he walks back and forth from there, and he's got his group of friends, yeah. um, and he's like in a very sort of privileged little bubble, really. Mm. So I think it, you know, in a way, it's quite good to 
to show these Absolutely. things and, and make you know your child understand mm. it. Well, you can see stuff in the telly or online or whatever, but actually experience yeah, it's it so firsthand. Different. Oh, you know, it's yeah. so different. I mean, we went to um, Varanasi where all my rugs are made, um, which is at the mouth of the Ganges. You know, right. it's like a sort of it's a very ancient city mm. in India. It's like the holy city because people believe that it's it's full of old folk because <laughs> mm. they believe if they die there they go you know to heaven quicker. Oh, it's like this sort of immediacy of like right. yeah I mean some of the rugs are made in the villages and we Goodness. went into the villages and he was like I'm absolutely amazed really Bam. I mean it was like really like turning back the the years you know like 100 years yeah, or something yeah. and they're you know weaving their rugs and there's a water buffalo and some goats and Jeez, oh. you know and I mean that side of India I think he actually really enjoyed yeah. um, I think the sort of urban side I think that was more what he found more difficult uh-huh. and things like you know pollution is quite bad in mm. Delhi um, lots to contend with yeah yeah. but it's so, just a place that you are absolutely comfortable in yeah I mean I've mm. travelled all over India but everywhere I go it's just amazing and fascinating and and this traditional way of working and creating is that just something that you gravitated well, towards right when away? I was um, uh, thinking about setting up the business that was really the premise was because of all my years at working at Habitat yep. um, a lot of our textiles were produced in India mm-hmm. um, and I remember early on thinking this is incredible this stuff is all done by hand why is nobody telling our customers this mm-hmm. you know why is uh-huh. You know, people are just going into the shop and buying this stuff and have no concept of came from. who's made it, mm. how it's been made, um, whether it's a machine that's made it or whether it's a human Actual being that's person. made it. And I thought, this is really sad that we're not mm-hmm. celebrating this more. And then also, having come from a textile background in Scotland, I, I mean, I was really aware of, you know, what happens to a textile industry if it's not supported. So I was really interested in exploring traditional craft in India that was like on the verge of not extinction but was becoming less and less and mm. less um, with more mechanism you know course, machines I, coming in yeah, and, yeah. Um, so there's like lots of things within my collection that um, celebrate that I mean things like the cruel embroidery that we do in Kashmir mm. uh, Kashmir is a really challenging area to work mm. in I mean actually at the moment it's completely shut down right, it's okay. really difficult at the moment mm. um, very politically volatile but I mean, the history of that area is amazing. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. I mean, it's just incredible. It's all like lakes with these houseboats on the lakes. It's like, it, it felt a bit sort of Scottish, like the landscape, okay. but sort of like Scotland on steroids or something. <laughs> um, you know, like it, it, I felt really sort of like a connection with well, the landscape hmm. there. But it's just absolutely beautiful. And the per- when the Persians came there hundreds of years ago, they brought a lot of these traditional crafts with them. Mm. And the cruel embroidery we do is from from that time. Um, and it's like a, a hand chain stitch. It's like a little hook that they push through the fabric and use the wool to chain stitch. So it's all very, very manually done. And a lot of the... It's men that do it. And a lot of the men that... Um, do it are farmers mm-hmm. so they use the sort of handicraft to supplement their income you know obviously at certain times of the year the weather is really extreme there so they can't farm and this is what they this is what they do yeah. I mean architecturally it's really interesting because it's it's um, India but sort of Swiss chalet India it's, everything's like 
on stilts because they get such deep snow. So Gosh. and all the roofs, all the all the roofs are really really peaked for the yeah, snow to fall well. off. You know, it feels just really uh, different well, from nice. anywhere else I've been to in, in India. It's really interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I love the fact that we work there. And even when, you know, we hit a, a hard time like this, we had, we did have another time. You know, I'd just rather sort of work through it and, yeah, and hopefully, it, yeah, yeah. yeah, because, you know, it doesn't help anybody if no. you jump ship, really. Mm. Um, and I, I like the fact that we work with people like that because the high street won't really. Um, so it gives us a point of difference, but it also Isn't helps it? us to sort of sustain a sort of traditional lifestyle. It's very important. Yeah, and these traditions alive. Yeah, and we pay really good money for yeah. for the product. Mm. That you know, I mean, you can see obviously in our pricing uh-huh. that we're not paying yeah, you're, you're paying for the quality and the craftsmanship yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah exactly so how do you build a collection <laughs> of um, your own oh. of your own yes <laughs> that was interesting I mean that was really hard when I started the business mm-hmm. I did a lot of soul searching because I thought um, you know whatever I start this with it's going to have a, a, you know like a life of its own yeah. there's only so much control you can have because obviously because things resonate mm. with people and other things don't and I, when I started I was really thinking more as a retailer rather than as a brand wow right okay so I did a lot more product I did like obviously I did my textiles but I did some furniture right. I did um, accessories I mean some of like see these wee wooden vessels in the house ah. or things like that were my wow. in my collection mm. I mean I, I had thought about a shop but then at the time you know reading up and stuff it was all going online um, and actually if you think about how that's changed in the last 10 years mm. it's kind of insane really no. and it was the right decision definitely mm. I think had I you know tried to open a shop um, it just would have been a totally different mm. thing because then you know your location sort of dictates so much yeah, what you do really so. yeah, yeah. whereas I can be you know, more of a sort of niche creative, but I can cast my net really wide mm. on the internet, you know, and it allows me to reach all those people that, you know, if I just did a little shop in Glasgow, yeah. I wouldn't reach, you know. So that's been great, really. Mm. And I quite like the sort of, you know, the fact that you've got the technology on that side, but then the sort of really it's traditional, traditional craft yeah, on the other. Absolutely, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and the two sort of feed one yeah, another. Yeah, because I think people really do appreciate, I mean, there's obviously been a big kind of, you know, support brands that are really working with creatives and traditional arts and things that are being made by hand. I think we're getting better at recognising that these things are Matter. to yeah, preserve. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, that just this mass production of things. You know? Yeah, well, it's just this sort of mass consumption, Aye. isn't it, of, uh, of yeah. stuff that like, me- means nothing. Do you like it? Will yeah. you bring this into your home and love it and, and use it for a long time? And You know, having a home, you... You realise over, you know, your life, you mm. start to, to understand that, you know, buying something in a sort of temporary way is kind of pointless, mm. actually. Yeah. And when you buy something you love or you save up for, I mean, no matter where you live, you always find a place for so it. True. You know, and anything I've ever bought is a sort of stopgap. You know, mm. I just thought, what the heck? Why did I buy that? Yeah. I think, you know, your belongings become part of you and they say a lot about you. Yeah, and I'd rather awesome. buy less mm-hmm. uh, and buy well and with a you know longevity mm. really um, and I'm not I'm really not an advocate of these sort of disposable brands I yeah. think it's really bad for like the environment but also just you know for people individuals yeah. it's just really 
throwing money. It's not a nice mentality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like buying volume but poor mm. quality. Yeah, What's yeah, the yeah. point in that? So yeah. um, I'm, you know, this whole sort of slow movement, you know, slow yeah. living, I think I'm a, a, quite an advocate of really. So what year was that that you started? It was 2009. So um, my son would have been... Well, I remember I started the business in 2008. I started developing product because really it takes about a year. Okay. So from designing to development to production. Mm. So um, for a, that year, I was sort of freelancing to sort of keep some money coming yeah. in, but then developing right. um, the collection. And I went through, oh God, it was really difficult, like um, aesthetically, you know, really trying to, sort of hone what it was mm. I was going to do and I, I kind of had two parts to the collection when I first launched there was one that's much more like what the brand is now and and one side was more, more decorative uh-huh. but more sort of feminine right and it was only through you know years um of development and yeah. and, and realizing actually what we were was a brand mm. not a retailer mm. you know when I first started you know and I had like Liberty contacting me and you know, Heels and Conran and all these shops. I was like, oh, I hadn't even thought about this, you know. Yeah. Well, I hadn't thought about supplying to other retailers. Yeah. And my margins weren't there for it. And so, you know, I had to sort of gradually eat my prices up to allow for wholesale. Um, and then I started to realise really that we were, like my strength was my textiles, which was in a mm. way not a surprise because that's really what I did. <laughs> Um, and you know that was the sort of more recognisable part circle type thing yeah Mm. and that I also sort of let go of that slightly more feminine side of the collection because people really like with a brand it's different people really like to sum you up very quickly Mm. I remember having a meeting with a buyer John Lewis it was a really horrible meeting It was just not what I expected. I went right. in for a meeting and thinking, you know, she was interested in buying for the collection. And she's like, mm, you know, I just can't quite sum you up. I don't really know, you know, what is your brand all about? You know, and I'd keep seeing things. And she was like, mm, you know, Donna Wilson, you know, these wee creatures and characters or bluebell greys, all like abstract watercolours and flowers. But I just can't say that about you. I don't know how to sum you up. I, I mean, I, it was it actually was quite helpful that like she said that <laughs> yeah. to me because I went away and reflected a lot right. on it. And I thought I do need to have like quite a singular view mm. and, and whether it's... I, I'm not the kind of person that would design a, a pattern and then stick it on, you know, a tea towel Got and you. a, Got you know, yeah. a bicycle and yeah. a flower pot. Mm. I, I really wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think partly like what I was saying earlier because um, I like to come at, at, as a product designer rather yes. than just yeah. a pattern designer yeah. and I find it upsetting that something I would design for a certain purpose would then just be slapped on lots of different Got product. Yeah. I think um, I've sort of cut, and you have to have your own path really. Of course. You have to be honest with yeah. yourself. There's a purity about what I do that um is what gets me out of my bed in the Great. morning. Because, you know, it's hard doing this. I mean, other, it, you know, otherwise, if, if it was just about money and a job, then I would be doing something hey, different. Yeah, you get lots of yeah. lovely jobs. And it would be easier. Stressful. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh-huh. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think um, that purity about it is important to me, really. And that control is mm. nice. And I like, I mean, when I'm putting together a collection, because you asked me how do I, yeah. you know, um, so, like, over the years, I've got sort of better and better honed it more and more. 
and I don't um, I don't throw away designs a lot. Um, I mean, I can I can think of products that were designed by you know lots of people by others at Habitat that I could cherry pick and put together the most incredible product collection. Yeah. These things that were in for one season and gone, and that sort of throwaway mentality. I, I yeah. hate that. You know, yeah. what's new? What's new? What's the next? Th- you mm-hmm. know, and actually to come up with a really good design that's like mm-hmm. stands the test of time. You know, that's mm. a skill. Let it, let it find yeah, its way. Exactly. So mm. I like to bring newness in. It's all sort of, um, you know, little sort of steps. So, you know, I have like a core colour palette that I work with mm-hmm. a lot. And then I sort of work with new colours that work with that. So when I bring in newness, it all sort of layers up. So if you've maybe bought into the collection before and you want to buy something new, it's all designed to sort of work mm, together. Yeah. Um, and... You know, there's things like our best-selling product, which is the round cushion, the mm-hmm. concentric. That's been in the collection for ten years. That's still our best-selling wow. cushion and rug. So then you just think, why reinvent the? Yeah, imagine if you'd went. Ah, we've done that. Move on. Imagine. Well, that was the the bane of my life at Habitat was design a new bestseller. I mean, that kind of stuff used to drive me insane. You know. So it's quite nice that you don't have to <laughs> do all of that. Surely you don't need to do with that. Um, and you know. You, even you can't with a, even with a crystal ball you can't tell what's gonna <laughs> so what's gonna sell yeah. and what isn't you know you can have an instinct about these things mm. but you can't always get no. it no. right you know no. or something that you really didn't think was going to fly yeah, is amazing surprising you know? yeah, yeah what people gravitate towards yeah that's why I like I like mm. I like designing stuff that all sort of works connects but also I mean why you know why is it a design that I did 10 years ago should be thrown out why it's really designed by you know retail it's like throw that season out so that you feel this sort of urgency to buy Mm -hmm. you know and then get the new stuff and it's that kind of and I guess it wasn't so much like a a proper considered thought in my mind really it just felt like that's what I should do Mm -hmm. is yeah it's just natural for you uh Mm. I just thought you know I know what goes into creating these designs mm. I know what goes into you know the product development to get something just right I know you know what goes on behind the scenes mm. to get a product right yeah and I don't really feel like chucking it out and doing no. something new every season and I you know I'm also not terribly like a slave to those kind of structures you know if a product isn't right I won't launch it you know if it's I'd rather have a season that doesn't have anything new mm-hmm. in it then launch something just for the sake of we it. I totally don't believe in that full. I don't. I don't. Want, yeah. I mean, maybe we we could maybe do with like upping the sort of newness. Um, not necessarily. Maybe in some new product categories mm-hmm. rather than you know sort of replacing product per, per se. But you know, if it's not right, it's not right. Fine. Yeah. You know. You just trust your intuition with that. You've had well, some so things, many years you know, experience that you can now make those decisions yeah. confidently, I guess. Well, some things just happen really easily. Mm. You know, so you have an idea, you send it off to get d- developed and it comes back and you're like, huh, brilliant. Done. Boom, done. That's Next. gorgeous. <laughs> and other things, it's like, sometimes it's the simplest things. Right. And you think, oh my God, why can we not get this right? I mean, I'm doing a quilt at the moment and uh, the first uh, I just brought in a little swatch of it I had the technique and then the, f- the first sample came in I thought this is looking really nice let's get a full quilt done and it's been an absolute nightmare right. the, the, we can't get any two samples to look remotely alike because it's so precise and done by hand 
that I don't know whether we can get enough people that can do it in that precise wow. way to really make it have any sort of continuity uh-huh. as a product. What a commitment you're making to getting it right. Oh yeah, but I mean that's product development for you. Uh-huh. And people I think really underestimate that. Um, and I, actually I think that's I mean, that's what brings, like, the uniqueness to mm, my yeah. collection. I guess I, I would do it in a dance. I would find the right choreography and agonise over one step. And you're like, why are you worrying detail. about that? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, like, you might hold a product and just be like, oh, I just love this. And maybe not be able to put your finger on why. Yeah. But it's my job to give you all that stuff that makes you love it, um, yeah. whether you know it or not. Mm. And... Um, you know, there's there's people that have copied us, sadly. You know, it's part and parcel of this industry. But they're always like a poor version of our product because they won't have that attention to detail. You know, they're just looking at a picture online yeah. and trying to sort Try of emulate it. Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, that's what sets our product apart, really, mm. is that we do go, you know... Either exile, yeah. literally. Yeah. <laughs> like across From, the world. You know, the base cloth to the, mm. you know, detail of the embroidery to the, you know, the all the fibres, the natural materials, the zips, you know, everything, the way that we sort mm. of specify the lining of something, Just you know. to the quality of it. All then. of that, yeah. Yeah, so that yeah. somebody feels like they're investing in something with their yeah. you know, hard-earned cash that you want it, they want, you want them to love it. Yeah. You want them to totally and even, it. you know, you have like educated customers that know a yeah. lot about these yeah. things. Yeah. Um, because I think we, we do appeal to um, customers like that that mm. have got a real love of textiles for instance but then you've got other people like we just did a trade fair in London Decorex which is a really nice show it's like very um, focused on the interior design market and a lot of conversations you have with people that they just you know they just respond to the product but they don't really know why Um, so we had like a big quilt collection there and we sort of showed it in a different way on our stand than we have Mm -hmm. done previously and it really worked because we got a lot of people drawn to that product mm. that usually you know it's folded up on a shelf or something and somebody's Got not you. seeing it but it's just simple things like we use a cotton filling in all of our quilts rather mm. than polyester and it makes them feel completely different mm. so everybody's sort of responding to the feel but they don't know, they why. Don't know why they don't why? know why uh-huh. um and it's all that kind of stuff all that kind of mm. you know all the detail that and really do you, do you just love it as much as you did when you started i still love um, developing product mm-hmm. yeah I still love designing and developing product and there's nothing more exciting than when you know that box of samples arrives for the first time yeah. you know, something that you've thought about drawn sketches of yeah, that's amazing you've made that you're yeah like, you know I spent all that time you know looking at all the wee details and nuances of yeah. it um, till you see it in fruition yeah it's amazing it's, very cool. it's really great mm. I think I mean especially at Habitat when I first started doing it and I'd never you know, I'd never done any production yeah. before. You know, to go into a store and have, you know, a whole collection of textiles you designed, it was a bit mm-hmm. like, you know, <laughs> your brain was just uh-huh. like, what That's mine. I did that. Uh-huh. So yeah. I suppose I take it for granted a bit more now. And it's kind of amazing to think that you've got all these yeah. products in people's homes and every now and then I'll see something, you know, old that I designed at Habitat or something, you know, in somebody's house and I'm like, <laughs> an old friend. Wow, that's so funny, <laughs> you know. So is there is there always something that you're kind of looking for next? Is there a bucket list? Is there is there something you want to achieve that? Yeah, yeah, always. I mm. mean, um, you know, the business it hasn't always been easy. Mm. Uh, far from it. Um, I mean, I remember 
Oh, I mean, I used to have a warehouse. I, I now outsource all of that. Um, but I used to have my studio in a warehouse. Okay. Um, and I think it was our first 40-foot container that came in. Um, you know, I'm up the step ladders with the bolt cutters at the back right. of the... You know, it's not glamorous, no. this industry. <laughs> you know, ready to open the back of the container. And, you know, this was me doing everything properly, like consolidating my shipments and bringing them all in by sea and all this sort of right, stuff. Okay. It's supposed to be the best way of doing it and save you money, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I opened the back of the container and I could see a tidal line. Like, I mean, oh, no. three quarters of the way up the container, I could smell it. And the whole, I mean, this was my entire collection was in this container and it had been water damaged and uh, that was really tough. That was so destroying. Yeah, that was tough. I remember sitting on my front step at my front, like chain smoking Mm -hmm. with the stress of it and just like, you know, I had a three-year-old son, you know, asleep in his bed inside thinking, what the hell have I done? Yeah. Um, And that was really hard. And I think... um, you know, if that hadn't floored me, you know, if I managed to get through that, then you're kind of the right kind of person to do your own thing if you can cope with stuff like that and not yeah. go completely to pieces. I mean, f- fortunately, I had marine cargo insurance. Okay. But of course, all my product has really long lead time on it. So it wasn't like I couldn't, can I couldn't, I just, go, right, I couldn't magic just magic it up. Uh, no. So a lot of the people that we'd, um, you know, got orders from, yeah. we couldn't supply to. There was a lot of good just faith that, that was, like, yeah, well, and, that and, and even when you're in, in in the industry and you know these things can happen, it's pretty unforgiving. It's horrible. You know, it's like, oh no, that brand let us down, we'll not buy from them again. No. Not that poor girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> it wasn't her fault. No. Yeah. But I don't, uh, now I don't, I don't consolidate the shipments, I don't bring them in like that. I bring them in as what they call LCL, which is like mixed containers with other people's products. Um, I air some stuff, because mm-hmm. um, we do like a made-to-order service on rugs. So we're bringing in, you know, a, one rug specifically mm-hmm. for a customer. I think that was probably one of the toughest that's, things yeah. that's happened. I mean, there's been things, you know, early on as well when, you know, I remember being in the red all the time. Is that right? Yeah, in the red. <laughs> and thinking, oh God, I can't pay that person for, you know, a couple of weeks. Like, yeah. you know, like, I'll just fold them and be really money. nice. And, you know, all of that stuff, um, that's tough. It mm. is tough. But I'm in a place now where, you know, it, it, it's still... Um, unpredictable um especially when you're dealing with other retailers mm. because you know one season your flavor of the month the next season you know a new buyers come in and want something completely different yeah. so you're never like completely no, sure what's happening yeah. but we've got to a point now where we're established enough that mm. we know that opportunities come and there's always something new there's always you know mm. as, as long as you keep reaching out um, and doing shows and communicating mm. and, um, and do you have your a team of people or go-to people that you just can always go yeah what do you think yeah I've got well um, there's a girl that works with me now Nicola mm-hmm. she's fantastic she comes in three days a week she's got a textile background um, more on the fashion side but okay. a really good sort of understanding of textiles which mm. is great because it is kind of like a language yeah um, and it's quite nice not to have to sort of try and teach someone from complete basics you know yes. we're sort of on the same yes. wavelength she gets it. yeah mm-hmm. and she's got a really nice skill set that I would say complements me you know she yeah. like I'm a little bit more haphazard and uh, fly by the seat of the pants great nothing changed nothing wrong from, from, from the school days 
Um, and actually, you know, I, I I mean, I can pluck stuff out of my head and I'm pretty accurate about <laughs> it, whereas um, I should be more systematic about stuff. Where N- Nicola is very s- yeah, systematic. Nice that young yeah, yeah, and it does really help. Complements yeah. each other. Yeah. And, I mean, it's taken me years to realise, I mean, there's people that I worked with in, in the past at Habitat that, you know, I'd always be like, oh, God, it's so boring. Like, we'll have to do it like this. And actually, now, when I when I put their sort of methodology in place, it does work. You know, take that all on board over the years. Yeah. And when you do start, you know, you have a plan and you start to implement it mm. and you put the things in place to sort of see if it's working and mm. and then you get the results and you're oh, like, wow, oh, this plan malarkey works. What? what? <laughs> yeah, Something. much to my disgust. Sake. <laughs> right along. Yeah. <laughs> but I think playing with the sea bands every now and again is also lovely because that's where the unexpected ideas can crop up. That's the creative end. That's yeah. where maybe, you know, that's where the wee kind of sparks of joy come. Yeah. And I think I sometimes, you know, those happy mistakes mm. or whatever, you know, you have yeah. to allow a bit of leeway, a bit of room, yeah. Yeah, room yeah, for that. Yeah, that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I do have sort of plans for what I'd like to do going forward. I'm really keen to get a fabric collection in place. Um, I've been developing that. But actually, you know, like we're saying, you know, things happen for a reason. Um, I'd done a whole bunch of development, sent it to the test house, and it, it failed. Right. <laughs> failed massively. <laughs> actually, it was kind of good that that happened hmm. because, you know, I'd started to get an idea of the cost and what it was going to be to bring, you know, this collection hmm. to fruition. And fabric is a completely different product. Um, it's a totally different route to market. A lot of the people we sell to at the moment wouldn't buy fabric. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of like almost setting up a, mm. another business or yeah. another sort of satellite business. Mm. I, you know, I sort of recouped a bit and I thought, you know what, I think we should maybe do this. And there's a supplier I could work with in the UK that would make to order. And it would just, you know, make it a little bit less risky. And we can sort of do it step by step and sort of build on the success really rather than you know make a big failure and then try and (laughs) then try and claw it back you know so I think that's maybe a good thing so that's like I say when stuff happens and you and you think oh crap this hasn't worked but actually sometimes it's a good thing yeah and that whole thing about going slow is actually Mm. that's taken me a long time I think to to work that out that actually less is more just doing stuff isn't necessarily you know the way to succeed i think like what i've learned over the years is it's not about just working yourself into an early grave it's actually about working smart when i started out i had it in my head i was going to be the next trisha guild or you know designers guild or whatever Mm. and actually i'm not and i'm okay about that now and um it's about what i love and what i enjoy doing with like a real sort of integrity Mm. Um, and making enough money to survive and live off but also being able to be there for my son you know to never miss a rugby match never mm. you know never miss a parents evening yeah. you know all of the stuff that That's really matters yes. you've got a life to live yeah. this is your life this and what is the point in, yeah. in killing yourself no. for what you know mm-hmm. um so when I, you know, when I bought the house, which is mm, it probably is about three years ago, um, I, you know, I knew that um, if I found the right house, then I could get rid of that horrible overhead of a studio. Mm. Um, so Your then, it, yeah, it meant yeah. that I could bring the studio into the That's house. Cool. I mean, it, it ended up being, I mean, I planned it also that there'd be like six months between moving house and moving studio, but of course it didn't work out like that. Yeah. And we moved 
basically moved house and moved studio at the same time. It was horrific. And I was selling my flat at the same time because we were living in my flat Gosh, while we renovated nice. this. So that all happened all at once. And it seems to me that you just take it all Masochist, on. as my dad would say. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with my kids? Why are they all masochists? <laughs> just like a challenge. Why can you not just go and get a normal little job that, no, you know, man. nice and predictable? I know, no, actually, that's very true. You it's know, not. It's not. And if you get to do, I've said that, I'm like, listens to the podcast on a regular basis. Like, she's just got catchphrases, but time and time again, it's just kind of sold to me that do some, if you can, if you've got do the opportunity you to do something you love. Yeah. And, and if you're able to create something and, and bring it from an idea to actual, you know, in your hands or right in front of you, then do it because. Yeah. Well, life's too short, really, isn't it, mm. to to sit doing a job you hate as well. You know, yeah. I think if you you know if you are doing a job that doesn't sort of stimulate you enough, mm-hmm. then um, you make sure that you find that in other mm. areas of your yeah. life. Yeah, I think that's important. But I think when you're a creative person, your job is such a big part of your life because um, you never really switch it off. No, you don't. So to to do something you really love, yeah, it's um, part of it's part of you. It's yeah, part of your identity. It is. It's not like a nine to five job. It really isn't. Especially, I guess now that you should do it at home as well. It must be quite. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, even when I've worked for other people, I've not been very good at that <laughs> because <laughs> as a creative person, it's not like you can say, right, today I'm going to be creative and I'm going to do this and then tomorrow I'm going to... So it doesn't work like no. that. Um, so sometimes I'm just in the right groove and I'll work, 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 work till I've got the collection right. Mm. Other times I can sit down to do that and it's just not happening. Yeah. And so maybe I get on with, you know, paperwork or whatever. Mm. I think you've just got to accept that, that that's part and that parcel is. of it. Um, and I used to take work home with me all the time anyway. So actually working from the house is not a bad thing. Mm. And it's funny with your ch- children, you know, um, I mean, sometimes I look back and I think, why didn't I do this earlier? You know, like my son was always at after school club and... All that kind of nonsense, yeah. and I could have probably. Have, I think it was coming from a sort of conventional working background, thinking, "Oh, you know, if I'm not at my desk from nine to five, I'm not really not. running uh-huh. my business properly." Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and it's taken a long time for me to think. Actually, you know, the whole point of doing this is that I have got flexibility. I am in control mm. of my own life, and mm. I don't, you know, if I want to take my dog for a walk at two in the afternoon I I can why not I think also it's that guilt thing I mean we're very good at that aren't we west coast of Scotland we're very good at sort of you know berating ourselves Mm. yeah Um, and we're not very good at patting ourselves on the back so I know we're not very good at up and you know yeah, well, picking ourselves up, are we? And...
I think it's great. I mean, I, th- I love the fact that with the internet, mm. I mean, a lot of people would say, oh, you know, it's so depressing like, what's happened to our high street and, you know, mm. blah, blah, blah. But things change. They have to change. And yeah. what I think has been really nice about the internet, it's allowed all of these, like, really small creative people to have a platform Very much so. that they wouldn't otherwise have had. Nice. Um, and so, okay, maybe these big, massive companies are struggling but that's maybe because yeah exactly it's great because these people are doing really individual unique things a lot of them are designer makers making Mm. things themselves which i'm a complete advocate of yeah of course that's like wonderful and it makes people happy and you know everything has its own story and Mm. place and and we value these things again you know um, yeah you know, when we start making things again ourselves, we understand what the skill is required to yeah. do these things and we start to value it again in a way that we've forgotten to, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. You know, we go and buy, you know, a cup and we never ever think about, like, mm. this is a hand-woven cup. How was this made? Who did this, you know? And how hard it is to do, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. And I think that's when, you know, when I was at Habitat and I saw people doing stuff, I was like, we need to tell people <laughs> this is about... Awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's incredible. Incredible. It really is, yes. Celebrate creativity, celebrate people yeah. putting their hands on something. And the individuality of mm. that. And, you know, yeah. we do, you know, beautiful quilts that are all, they call it canvas stitch, which is like the sort of most ancient form of stitch. It's just like yeah. a really simple running stitch. And they're all like embroidered by hand. And no two are the same because. I, mean, I can't even sew a button on. <laughs> so I've got a degree in knitting and I can't hand knit for. Really? Right, okay. Oh, My no. mother in law is a, a very, very good knitter to be. To I, wish I, I wish I was. I'm, mm. I'm appalling at it. I mean, we had one, at Galley Shields, we had one sort of discipline that was hand knitting. Okay. And I, I just couldn't get my head around it. And I just remember knitting this thing and it just kept getting longer and longer. I remember I just coiled it around and stitched it together to make a yes! sample. Because I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to That's do exactly this. That's exactly what I meant to do. <laughs> yeah. This was all like, right, yeah. <laughs> This was my method. I love it. Yeah. I know, so I've got a degree in something I can't actually do. Well, I'm quite good at, um, I'm quite good at understanding techniques Mm. and then designing for them, but I'm not a brilliant maker myself. I'm not a, I mean, I I found that frustrating actually on my degree and MA, that both courses were actually very um, focused on your ability to make Mm. stuff. And actually, I was kind of like, I want somebody else to make it. Oh, I've got this idea. Can, oh. can somebody else like, yeah, yeah. just make it for me? Yeah. And actually, it's funny because that's kind of what's ended up happening. So Yes, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So we're moving on to what we call the thingamabobs. Oh, the thingamabobs. Don't be scared. <laughs> promise it's not that painful. And these are just to get more insight into who Nikki Jones is. So... It might help me as well. Maybe. It's like a psychology session here. Um, is it a house coat or a dressing gown? Oh, a dressing gown. Is it? Yeah. House coat's a bit of itself, no? <laughs> is it? A little bit. <laughs> See, in Belsil, we would call it a house coat. Oh, really? Which means it's not. Maybe I'm posher than I thought there then. There you go. See, we're finding out stuff already. See, I told you. These questions. <laughs> Um, what is the most on-brand story of you when you were wee? Oh, decorating my bedroom, probably. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. That was quite a big one. I remember because like, I had to share my bedroom with my sister and I got really fed up with it mm. and um, there was a spare bedroom in the house that I just one day moved into. 
Love it. Uh, and my parents were like, oh, well, right. seems Pass. like Nikki's moved bedroom. <laughs> and then the sort of constant pestering, my mum and I wanted to decorate my room. Mm. I, I was quite young at the time. I had like very specific ideas about what I wanted in the room. I used to spend hours in my bedroom, like putting everything just right, you know, the way I wanted it. And I remember I had these like, I think it was an old calendar that I cut up and it was like Degas paintings and I'd cut these paintings. And I remember like I was on top of my wardrobes <laughs> measuring these spaces out to like get my oh, wow. pictures all equal distance on the wall. <laughs> so yeah, attention to detail, it was always there. Yeah, and interiors. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think um, my environment has always like really, really mm-hmm. mattered to me and that ownership of a space, space was really important to me yeah, yeah but yeah. I guess like your space whatever if it's the if it's one room if it's a whole house it's your sanctuary uh-huh. isn't it yeah or a way to express yourself yeah, yeah, as well 100%. you know so yeah I was a bit yeah, like that's that very as a kid yeah that's quite on brand <laughs> yeah <laughs> best gift you've ever been given I mean is it a total cliche to see my son he was a bit of a bit of a surprise what was he? Um, yeah, I mean, I um, well, I've brought him up on on my own. It's just the two of us, really, yeah. um, and we're really, really close. But um, he wasn't planned, so he was a bit bit of a surprise gift. Brilliant <laughs> gift to receive. Yeah, fourteen years ago. Yeah, exactly. So it's amazing. Yeah, that's quite special. Mm. I've got quite a lot of friends that um, haven't had kids just through circumstances. Mm. So I do feel really fortunate that I. I've had him. Yeah, yeah. of course. Can't, I can't imagine life without him, really. So. And on the rugby pitch, cheering him on. I know. Well, he's really sporty. He's very, right. he's very fast runner. Mm. He's great at athletics as well, and he doesn't get that from me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but he's really, really musical as well. Is he? Yeah. So I don't know whether he'll do music or not, but he does talk about it. You know. Cool. Um, so What's his instrument? He's play. He, he's got a lovely voice. Great. Um, and he plays piano. So that's his kind of creative yeah. that he gets from you. So maybe not the rugby, but... Yeah, I mean, he's t- he takes art as well, but I don't know whether he'll pursue yeah. anything down that route. You know, I don't mm. know. It's so hard to know, isn't it? Like, oh, my goodness. I mean, it's crazy to think. Like, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> I know. I know. I think things like that <laughs> sometimes as well. When yeah. I grow up, I might do this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crikey, I'm Aye. 45. I think I, I think, up. obviously, seeing you... <laughs> building this amazing brand on your own and everything that you've well, gone through. I think, I think it's quite um, I think it's quite good yeah. that you can sort of see as a child that you're able to grow something from ah, from, from nothing, yeah. you know. Um, I think that's quite a good lesson. Mm. And also I quite like the fact that he's grown up with a mother who's worked and yeah. he's got really good relationships yeah. with girls. He's, you know, he's got a really nice sort of you know, understanding of, mm. of women, I think. That's important. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's nice. Yeah. Um, the question I ask every podcast guest is this. What is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Oh, gosh. <laughs> There's one word I really like, but mm-hmm. it's a bit embarrassing to say. Go for it. Jobby. <laughs> yes, this has came up before. You're not alone. Other people like Jobby too. Because nobody else knows it. They don't. And I had a friend who I, I met on the sort of, um, you know, trade fair circuit. Mm-hmm. And uh, her husband's name is Joby. 
Is it, is it, no, his name is actually Joby, but I call him Joby because I can't bring myself to say it. How's it spelled? Uh, oh, I don't know, but he pronounced it Joby. And the first time that he introduced, I, honestly, I could not. I was like cracking up, and he, he couldn't understand why I was laughing so much, and I had to explain the whole premise of. Oh God, right? Jeez. <laughs> But I was like sort of known in my circle in London for all my brilliant jobby stories. Oh, really? Yeah, right? so all my friends were sure I was going to write a book about, <laughs> about jobbies. Uh, yeah, once I've had a few drinks. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> see, the so these, these questions do work. They show a slightly totally. different side. I know, this is what it's about though. The whole person is not made from... Just one thing. They're made from stories about jobs. There you go. I love it. Well, this story. This what way to end? I know. I love it. This is this is the joy of podcasting. No, honestly, thank you so much for doing this. It's, no, it's been, been an a absolute pleasure. pleasure. Yeah. Um, your stories have not been jobbies. We <laughs> <laughs> can somehow segue that into that. And um, no, it's been an absolute joy to meet you. Thank you so much. Oh, really nice this. to share. It's like sort of lifting the veil on these things sometimes. You know, I think some of the conversations I've had over the years, you know, where it sort of dispels the myths yes. and you realise that, oh, maybe I can do this or maybe, you yeah. know, it's not all plain sailing, mm. and, you know. And it's a journey, you know, mm. and it, it never ends. Like you say, you know, you're always learning yeah. and developing and getting mm. better. And mm. so hopefully, you know, it gives some people a bit of insight into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I wish you many more adventures. Okay. And uh, many more jobby stories too. that <laughs> 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 I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Brawn the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.